Bibles today or whatever you use for the Scripture, iPod, iPad, iPhone, or maybe you don't have anything, you're going to follow along with me. First Thessalonians this morning, chapter 4, if you don't mind to go there. While you're turning there, let me just encourage you, please make an effort next week, next Sunday morning and Sunday night to be with us for Revival Sunday. I would love for you to be here, uh, both services be a part of what the Lord is going to do. Uh, Bishop Corder is a tremendous gospel preacher. You're going to be blessed by his ministry. And then, of course, Sunday night, we're going to have some uh, several area churches present with us for that service. And Pastor Tony is going to coordinate, is coordinating a, a choir, some special music. So I want you to please, if you can, make every effort to be here next Sunday morning and Sunday night. And let's just come and anticipate what the Lord wants to do in our hearts and our lives. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to pick up in the 13th verse. This is the concluding part of this chapter. And the Apostle Paul writes here to us some words that will look familiar to you or probably sound familiar to you. Um, But I want to use this this morning and preach directly from this passage. Here's what he says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, can I just stop and ask, do I have anybody today that believes Jesus died and indeed did rise again on the third day? Can I just get a witness this morning? Even so... God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus or those who have died and had a relationship with Christ, is what Paul is talking about. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, which by the way, there is going to be a coming of the Lord. I want you to know that Jesus is coming again. He said, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord by no means precede those who are asleep or who have died in Christ. Now, watch verses 16, 17, and 18 here. For the Lord himself, he ain't going to send anybody else. He's coming to take care of business on his own. Oh, God help me. I feel like preaching today. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Listen. I'm going to let you sit down in a minute. When he comes back, listen, he may have left this world the first time when he went by way of the cross as a suffering, meek, lowly lamb. But I'm telling you, when he comes back on a cloud of glory, he's not coming back as some puny, anemic, weak-kneed, weak-spined Jesus. He's coming back as a lion of of the tribe of Judah, the Bible says. And here's what John said about him. When he, he comes back, listen, said his hair is going to be like wool. His eyes are going to be like a flame of fire. He said out of his mouth there's going to come a two-edged sword. And on his thigh there's going to be a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He may have died as a meek, lowly lamb and a suffering servant. When he comes back, the Bible said every eye is going to see him. He's coming back as a strong, mighty, powerful lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming again. 
I'll need to save some energy because I'm going to preach in a minute. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then, somebody say then. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And Paul concludes this passage and says, Therefore comfort one another with these words. If the Lord will permit me and I can contain myself for a few minutes, I want to preach on this thought this morning, a word of comfort for a world in crisis. A word of comfort for a world in crisis. We need to pray because I'm getting ready to blow up. Come on, Father, we love you today. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, that I sense bearing witness through my soul and in my heart today that I am on the right track, God, that you've given me something that I need to share with these people today. And God, I'm asking you in your mercy and in your grace and in your love, Father, to touch me to preach. But God, don't just touch me to preach. Touch these people to hear today the word of the Lord. And when we walk out of this place in the next few moments, I pray we will leave not talking about something a man preached about, but talking about the very presence of God that is here and talking about the fact that somebody has surrendered their hearts and their lives to Christ. I love you today. I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, Pastor Tony, for your help today. <clears throat> the word crisis has been defined as a condition of instability or danger. As it relates to politics, economics, social events, and international affairs. Not only does it speak of those things, but it speaks of a condition of instability or danger politically, socially, economically, internationally that leads to decisive change. This world and this nation is without a doubt in crisis. Politically, we are in crisis. It has never been as corrupt or as crooked as it is right this very moment. Morally, we are in crisis. The sanctity of life, the right of the unborn to life, the sanctity of marriage has just been almost thrown out the window, it seems. I, I am not a political preacher. I don't preach politics. I never will stand here and tell you what candidate that I support. I will never endorse a candidate from this pulpit because I'm not allowed. I would never influence you 
try to influence you on who to vote for or how to vote. But I have a serious concern, and boy, I just sense my heart telling me to be careful right here, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyways. One of our leading political people can look into a camera and without reservation or batting an eye can speak for and speak of support of a late-term abortion up to nine months. That bothers me. I have a problem when we can be so supportive of same-sex marriage and just act like it's just part of society and no big deal when God's Word is very clear on the institution of marriage one man, one woman, forever. It just seems to me that the longer that time goes on, the more desensitized we have become. We're in crisis morally. We've been on the edge of a very slippery moral slope for some time now, and I'm not so sure we haven't just stepped over the edge. Spiritually. We're in crisis. The Church of America is growing ever colder and more lethargic by the day. Racially, we're in crisis. Our city streets are filled with racial tension between African Americans. Caucasians, Hispanics, Latinos, and our men and women that wear the uniform that we call police officers racially, we're in crisis in this country. And for you to sit there this morning and just act like everything is okay and it's no big deal, you are sadly mistaken today. We can bury our heads under the sand and we can act like everything is okay and everything's going to turn out just fine. Now, in the end, if you're a Christian and love Jesus, you've read the end of the book and I've read the end of the book and it is going to be okay. But don't deceive yourself and act like this is just going to blow over. I'm telling you, this is just the beginning sorrows and crisis moments that we're watching unfold. Matter of fact, here's the truth. We've been in crisis for some time now. I mean, ISIS continues to slaughter innocent people. School shootings have become almost just another nightly news piece. Professional athletes, college athletes, high school athletes, 
are encouraged and they are applauded when they take a knee. During our national anthem, and they show such blatant disrespect for our country, our military, and our flag. Now, you may have a different opinion on that, and you're fine, and you're entitled to that. That's fine. But to live in a place of freedom. Now, Pastor, you seem to be sharing some opinions there. Well, that's part of preaching. I'm going to share some opinions. I'm going to give you some truth in a minute. That men and women that wear the uniform and have spilled their blood for the freedom of this country, we have no more respect than to take a knee and act like it's no big deal. And one athlete who's paid millions of dollars was quoted as saying that flag is just a piece of cloth and nothing else to me. That bothers me. And shame on him. Our young people continue to be murdered in the streets of our country. We are in crisis. Nightly news broadcasts scream crisis. Newspaper headlines scream crisis. Church Pulpits in America, much like this morning, are screaming crisis. Everywhere and all around us, there is crisis. And a world that is in the midst of such crisis desperately needs a word of comfort. There's a lot of things that I could say to you today. There's a number of different Scripture passages I could present to you today that would bring you comfort. There's stories from way back in history that I could tell you today that would bring you a sense of comfort, but there is something that's been stirring in my heart the last several weeks that I want to say today. I believe it is a word of comfort for a world in crisis. Are you ready? Here it is. Jesus is coming again soon. I'm going to say it again. I want to say it with courage. I want to say it with conviction, and I want to say it with confidence. Whether or not you believe it and whether or not you are ready, Jesus is coming again soon, and that gives this preacher some great hope that as messed up as this world is, it is not always going to be this way because there is coming a day that Jesus Christ is going to step out on a cloud of glory. There's going to be a trumpet blast that has never been heard before and we the people of God are going to be taken out of this messed up world to rule and to reign and to live with him for eternity. Jesus is coming again soon. I 
promise of his coming. Gives me great hope, Brother Turpin, that as bad as it may seem right now, it's not going to be this way forever. When he comes, it will change. Did you know that the coming of the Lord is a confusing subject? And we've had over 2,000 years to study it. Can you imagine the questions that the early church must have had? They didn't have the benefit that we have today. Can you imagine the questions they must have had about the, about the rapture of the church, the return of the Lord? Can you imagine the questions they must have had about the, the resurrection of the dead? The rapture of the living? Can you imagine the questions that, that must have filled their minds as they tried to figure out what was going on? And this text here that I read to you, these final few verses of 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul answers some of the questions that they had. Now here's what you need to know about the early church. They anticipated the coming of the Lord. The early church believed that it could happen at any moment. But something unexpected began to happen. Believers began to die. And questions began to arise in the mind of those early church goers. Questions about what happens when a righteous person dies? What happens when a believer dies? What is their place in the plan of God as it concerns eternity? They were uncertain. They were confused. They were scared. So Paul pins these six verses to a church in a place called Thessalonica. And in this text, he clears up for them some of the questions that they had about the righteous dead and believers dying and where do they go and what happens. And then he gives to us a very brief yet clear picture of what we can expect when the Lord comes back. And by the way, he is coming again. Permit me just for a few moments. I want to take verses 16, 17, and 18 and preach for just a few moments. Here's the first thing that Paul says, tells us. That there is going to be a return. Here's what he said. The Lord him Self will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Listen, Jesus, Paul tells us, is returning. Do you know the last picture the disciples had of Jesus? was his triumphant ascension into heaven. If you understand the gospel story that Jesus was crucified on a cross, 
He was taken off of that cross and buried in a borrowed tomb. For three days he laid in that tomb, but on that third day, resurrection power invaded that tomb and Jesus got up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. The Bible teaches us that for 40 days after that, the resurrected Christ walked amongst this earth and the Bible says, showed himself alive, Mike Mitchell, by many infallible proofs. On that 40th day, as he gathered his disciples together. The last words they heard him say, Pastor Tony, was this, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, you know modern-day preachers call him Holy Spirit. I like to call him Holy Ghost. Doesn't matter what you call him. It's just a matter of turn. I like to call him Holy Ghost. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses, my witnesses, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. No sooner had he got that out of his mouth, Acts 1, verses 9, 10, 11, and 12 tell the story, that this cloud appears and takes him up into heaven. While his disciples are watching this unfold, Heads thrown back, looking up as he goes into heaven. The Bible says these two men, two angels, in white apparel show up. And here's what they say. You men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so Come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. You know what they were saying? The same way you saw him left, leave is the same way that he is going to return. It would be Jesus himself in John 14, 1, 2, and 3 who would say, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you. Are you ready? I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. It was Jesus himself in Matthew 24 verses 41 through 44 who would talk about his coming when he would say this, then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and the other left. There'll be two women grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. He said, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour when your Lord will come. He said in verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour that the thief was coming, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. He would conclude in verse 44 and say, therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I think that's what Paul had in mind in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2 when he said the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. I want to, you to know today, I want to declare from this pulpit today there's nothing that you can do, there's nothing I can do, there's nothing you can say, and there's nothing that I can say to keep this promise from becoming a reality. I'm telling you at any moment the Lord himself could step out on a cloud of glory and call us away. We must 
be ready. We must be about the Father's business. Here's a word of comfort for a world that's in crisis, that is spinning out of control. I'm resolute about this fact. I'm confident about this fact. I'm sure about this, that there is going to be a return. Jesus Christ is coming again. Hallelujah. Ah, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. There is going to be a return. Listen, he wouldn't say it if he didn't mean it. There is going to be a return. Oh, my Lord is coming back to earth again. Satan will be bound a thousand years. We'll have no tempter then. Oh, my Lord is coming back to earth again. You know, preparing this week, Brother Turpin, I've been studying, preparing, and my mind went back to an old hymn we used to sing. I've been walking through the house singing it this week, and my kids have said, you can't sing. Would you please stop? But my mind went back to page 10, and that old red back hymnal that said, there is going to be a meeting in the air, in the sweet, sweet by and by. I am going to meet you, meet you over there in that home beyond the sky. Such singing we will hear, never heard by mortal ear, will be glorious, I do declare. By and by, the Lord will surely let us meet him in that meeting over there. I'm telling you, there is going to be a meeting in the air. The Lord himself is coming back to take us to heaven, to live with him, to rule with him, and to reign with him forever. If I had time, I'd quote this, this verses to you, but I'll spare you. You've heard of little Moses in the bulrush. You have heard of fearless David and his sling. You've heard the story told of dreaming Joseph and of Jonah and the whale. You've often heard. There are many, many others in the Bible. I would like to meet them all, I do declare. By and by, the Lord will surely let us meet them at that meeting in the air. Jesus Christ is coming again soon. Oh, if I had time, I'd take you to page 110 and tell you some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air coming after you and me. Joy's, joy is ours to share. Oh, there is <laughs> going to be a day. There's going to be a day. Oh, what singing. Oh, what shouting on that happy morning. When we all get there, if I had time, I'd take you to page 333. And I'd tell you that we're all going to fly away. That we're all going to fly away. If I had time, I'd sing when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Here's the bottom line. Here's what you need to know today. That Jesus Christ is indeed coming again. I don't care who occupies the White House. I don't care who has control of the Senate. The bottom line is this. Jesus Christ is coming back to take us to heaven one day. Oh, if you're glad about it, come on and praise the Lord. Here's the second thing you need to know. There's going to be a return. There's going to be a resurrection. Here's what Paul said. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Here we go. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. 
dead in Christ. Who's that, Pastor? That, that, those are the people that have lived on this earth and have loved the Lord and served Him and that have preceded us and gone on before us in death. There's going to be resurrection. You know what that says to me? That there is more to life than just right here. That, that says to me that there is hope beyond the grave. Because if the Lord, oh, i got to hurry. If the Lord were to tarry, if the Lord tarries his coming, all of us in here are going to die. Matter of fact, you know what's happening to you right now while you're sitting there? You're, you're decaying. Your flesh is rotting. And they're going to put you in a box. They're going to wheel you to the front. Somebody's going to preach a message. They're going to roll you out of a church. They're going to slide you into a hearse. They're going to get to a cemetery. They're going to pull you out of the hearse. They're going to place you above the ground. Some preacher is going to come to the head of the coffin and quote something like, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He'll walk through a, a line of chairs and shake hands with the family and say, I'm praying for you. We're here for you. The pallbearers will get up and take their little boutonnieres off and put it on top of the coffin. Everybody will turn around. They'll walk away. And we get out of sight, out of mind. There'll be some caretakers there that will lower that coffin down into a vault. They will seal that vault. They will push dirt over that vault and about six feet beneath the ground. There is where your body will lay. But here's what you have to know. The only thing that that box will contain and the only thing that will be beneath that ground is a dead, cold corpse. Because if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, as soon as you close your eyes on this side of heaven, you will open your eyes up and you will behold the very face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm telling you that this is only a part of our journey down here. But the day is going to come. The trumpet is going to sound. If you have died in the Lord and had a relationship with Christ when that day comes there will be tombstones that will topple over people will come up out of the grave will pass them what about folks that have been cremated I don't know but somehow in some way I believe God will put their bodies back together so their spirits can be reunited and we're going to be caught up out of this place and those that have died in the Lord will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air what did Paul say that if we have hope in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. There is something beyond this life. There is something beyond the grave. If you know the Lord, it is eternity with him forever. What, it, what was it that Jesus said to Martha in John 11 and 25? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believeth in me, though he die, he shall live. He'd go on in verse 26 and say whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus was not talking about a physical death there. He was saying, listen, yeah, your body is going to shut down. You'll take your last breath at some point but if you believe in me, you will live forever. I'm telling you, it's not just about this journey down here, but somehow, somewhere, someday, we will live with the Lord forever. And the resurrection of the dead gives great hope to those that are grieving. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. 
I want to be there. I want to be by. I hope to God I live long enough and that when that day comes, I'm driving by a cemetery somewhere. And I hear that trumpet blast, and I watch tombstones just start toppling over. And those that have died in the Lord just are raised up and taken out of this place. There is going to be a resurrection. It's going to be a return. Thirdly, there's going to be a rapture. Here's what Paul said. Then those of us who are alive and remain... Because listen, some of us aren't going to taste death. We're not going to taste death. Some of us are going to live to the coming of the Lord. Those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That word caught up there is the Greek word harpezo. And it speaks of rapture. It speaks, that word literally speaks of a seizing or a catching away. The Bible is not just using uh, symbolism here. There is literally going to be a rapture. Those of us that have Christ in our hearts, when he steps out, when those that have died in Christ get up first, will be those of us that are alive and remain, will literally be caught up into the air, the Bible says. Maybe I think I'm pretty certain. That's what Paul had in mind. When he penned 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 58, here's what he said. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of sin is death, and the strength of sin is the law. But Paul would say in verse 57, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He would conclude that chapter and say, finally, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of God, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Paul said, listen, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we are all not going to sleep, but we are going to be changed. God is going to return. Jesus is going to return, and there is going to be a great catching away once the dead in Christ have been resurrected those of us that are alive and remain we will be raptured out of this place to see the Lord you know what that says to me this world may be messed up but we're going up <laughs> do you realize that the next hand you shake could be the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ the next step you take could be steps on a step on streets of gold and be the next meal we eat could be the marriage supper of the lamb and the next face we see could be the face of the Lord Jesus Christ brother Beckner there is going to be a return there is going to be a resurrection and thank God there is going to be a rapture and it could happen today even so come quickly Lord Jesus
Number four, there's going to be a return. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a reunion. Oh, what singing. Oh, what shouting. On that happy morning when we all shall rise. Here's what Paul said. And those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up, watch this, caught up together with them. Who's them? You know who them is, don't you? The dead in Christ that have been resurrected. Now, let me, let me help you here. Don't forget verse 14. I haven't even been preaching on this verse. But verse 14 says that he's going to bring back with him those who sleep in Jesus. So not only those dead in Christ that rise, those that sleep with him. He's just trying to help us understand and get the point that there's going to be a reunion. Watch this now. Those of us who are alive and remain, sister lines, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Somehow, there is going to be this meeting place in the air that we hook up with and see our loved ones that have gone on before us. I'm telling you, it will be a reunion that exceeds all reunions. Anybody in here ever been to a family reunion? Come on, raise your hand up you've been. And that uncle you don't want to see, he just is there and he's loud and obnoxious and embarrasses everybody. You know what I'm talking about. And there's this family reunion and they've got this spread out and there's all the food you can imagine and you're seeing people you haven't seen and cousins that you grew up with that you haven't seen and you, listen, you think you've been to a reunion but you have not seen a reunion like this. When that trumpet sounds, Aunt B, somewhere in the clouds, you're going to meet up with Elroy and there's going to be a reunion to exceed all reunions. Harold Stout, when that trumpet sounds, somewhere in those clouds, you're going to find your boy Tim and there's going to be a reunion that exceeds all reunions and for those of you who have mamas and daddies and children that have gone on before you I'm telling you when that trumpet sounds there is going to be a reunion we will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air I'm telling you that day could be today here's the last part Pastor Tony come help me there's going to be a return. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a reunion. Listen, and there's going to be. There is for us now. This should offer to us something called reassurance. You know what Paul said? When he got done, and he got down to the end, he said, comfort one another with these words. The fact that there's going to be a return, the fact that there's going to be a resurrection, the fact that there's going to be a rapture, the fact that there's going to be a reunion, that should give us a reassurance. Paul said, therefore, comfort one another. Reassure one another is what that means. You know that the promise of the coming of the Lord gives comfort to a world that's in crisis. 
You know, when you look all around you right now, <clears throat> and you consider what possibly could be for this country, it's a little unsettling. When you hear the news reports, and by the way, if you believe everything the media says, don't. I mean, they have this shock and awe factor. They want to just scare the daylights out of you. Now, don't misunderstand here. Things are not good right now. And I don't care who sits in the office at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're really not probably going to get a whole lot better. <clears throat> I do believe that there can be a revival of righteousness and morality in this country again. And I, listen, I believe that we could have, and I'm not insinuating here, we could have the most evil dictator in office and God can still move and God can still bring revival to this country. You do realize that God is not limited by who is in power in a political office. Do you understand that? I think we've lost sight a little bit here. I think we've become so wrapped up and enamored with this election, we forget that God still occupies the throne, Kenny Hancock. And when I wake up on November the 9th, no matter what has happened, God's still going to be on the throne. And no matter who sits in office, no matter what November the 9th brings the day after, it doesn't affect my future. I know where I'm headed. <clears throat> I won't even be in town election day, so I went a couple weeks ago and I happily cast my absentee ballot. I was the only one in there. I just pray to God it gets counted. <clears throat> but all of that aside, rest assured, everything's going to be all right. Because the coming of Jesus brings me great comfort. Do you think that all the stuff that's transpiring now is going to affect the return of the Lord? Jesus is coming regardless. doesn't matter. He's coming. And when we're tempted to get <clears throat> caught up and consumed and wrapped up in politics and economy and everything else, just hear the words of Paul. Comfort one another with these words. Jesus is coming again. You know what Paul told Titus? There's a little book called Titus. <clears throat> Paul sent one of his young men that he had mentored and poured into to a little place called Crete to establish a church. Now, there's only, I think, three chapters in the whole book. <clears throat> but I like what he told Titus in Titus 2 and 13. He said, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I've got my eye on the sky Listen, I don't need to see another news broadcast tell me who's ahead in the polls. I've got my eye on the sky. Jesus is coming again soon. I don't need to hear another report about the economy. I've got my eye on the sky. Jesus is coming again soon. I don't need to hear one more promise from one more candidate. 
I've got my eye on the sky because Jesus is coming again soon. And I would to God that we could let the whole world hear a word of comfort for a world that's in crisis. I wish some preacher, some politician, somebody that has enough backbone would just look into a camera and say, all this stuff doesn't matter anyways because Jesus is coming again. I'll probably never get that opportunity, but I'll stand right here in this pulpit today at 1621 Bob White Boulevard, and I will declare to this congregation, I challenge you to walk out of this place today and all this week and even beyond that and tell people that want to talk politics and economy and morals and all this, just tell them it doesn't matter. Jesus is coming again soon. Hallelujah. Ah, come on, stand up on your feet and give God praise today. I mean, come on and praise him if you believe that he's coming. Here's what we have to know, in spite of all of that. And the promise of his coming, here's what I know. There's people that aren't ready for the Lord to come back yet. I'm looking at people out here in this congregation. You've got family and friends that if he came back today, they'd be left out and left behind. There may be people today that are sitting here under the sound of my voice that would say, Pastor, I... I don't know if I've ever heard anything about the coming of Jesus like you've preached about in a return and a resurrection and rapture and a reunion. Pastor, I don't even know if I can comprehend all that. Maybe you're standing here today and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not even sure I'm ready to meet the Lord if he came today. You can be ready before you walk out of this building here in the next few moments. You can't pay enough money. You can't do enough good deeds. But you can open your heart and surrender your life to Christ and say, Lord, I'm tired of living on my own. I need you in my life today. And that quickly, Jesus can come into your heart and come into your life and change you forever. Would you bow your heads for a moment with me today? Would you just close your eyes?